0: So, are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Legendary Leaders. And with me today is Dr. Juana Borders. She's the author of The Power of Latino Leadership, Ahora, and the best-selling book Salsa, Soul, and Spirit: Leadership for a Multicultural Age. Both books are considered breakthrough work on leadership in communities of color. And Juana served as an advisor to Harvard's Hispanic Journal on Public Policy, the Kellogg National Fellows Program, as board vice chair of the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership, and a trustee of the International Leadership Association, ILA. She received an honorary doctorate from Union University in 2009 and was the first Latina to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award from ILA in October 2019. A Colorado Women's Hall of Fame inductee in 2009, the Denver Post and Colorado's Women's Foundation named her Colorado Unique Woman of the Year. Juana is a founder of mi resource center and the founding president of the national hispana leadership institute goodness me we are talking about so many different topics but one that has touched literally every part of me is the story of how juana actually ended up in florida slash in the united states she wasn't born here she uh, came to this country in, I would say, very challenging circumstances. And yet they led her onto this wonderful path where she can impact society so beautifully as she has been doing over many, many years. How many years she's going to share with us, but she gives some energetic insights into the Latino leadership. What What does Latino leadership actually mean? What does it stand for? What are the unique characteristics? Why haven't we heard about that before? I certainly haven't. Most importantly, what are some of those powerful statistics that show how important it is to focus on Latino leaders and overall pay far more attention to very culturally diverse leadership and how we can bring it together to literally change this world if you want to learn more about multicultural leadership intergenerational leadership as well well then you are in the right place and i can't wait to share this episode with you enjoy have fun hello hello and welcome to
1: dr juana borders hello how are you doing I am doing great. It's springtime in the Rockies. For those of you across the world, I'm in the Colorado mountains. Uh-uh. And, uh, that means our weather changes every 15 minutes. So we've had hail and snow and 90 degrees weather. And it's just been fabulous. But the, pl- the flowers are blooming. Keeping you on your toes. Here we go. <laughs>
0: Even in your intro now or in the quick hello, I had to giggle and laugh because the moment we get together, the moment I experience you, my levels of joy, of energy go up significantly. And I thank you for that, by
1: the way. (laughs) Well, you you know what the Dalai Lama said? He said, um, my religion is to be happy and so really you know it's hard but you have to practice being positive because you're not going to get anything done if you don't if you don't do that so yeah oh man I want to it's part of my it's part of my philosophy
0: (laughs) I want to delve right into that in a moment this part (laughs) of your philosophy and potentially some other parts of it sure Um, a moment ago I said to you I'm so looking forward to having this conversation. And there's a variety of reasons. A, we had a really interesting and energizing, get to know one another call. And interesting, you opened my eyes already for things that I wasn't even aware of and that we are going to share hopefully here today with the listeners too. But then I started following you a little bit, right? And I was just literally laughing out loud every time I saw an article, um, a TikTok video popping up. And where you really hit my sweet spot was a TikTok video of you talking about National Margarita Day. One of my favorite drinks, <laughs> Miss tequila. Yes, yes. And you just with all your joy and passion, showing how to make a proper, proper. Margarita. So thank you for that. <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, margaritas are um, the favorite drink of people, favorite mixed drink of people in America or the US, I guess. And, uh, but, but you don't want to make them with mixes. You want to make them with the limon, the lemon, and, and make them correctly. So, you know, but, but yeah, they're a great drink to have.
0: And then I think I sent it to you in an email, I literally fell off my chair when I saw your H.
1: Oh, my age, right? Yes.
0: (laughs) I know that's the most... It's just a number. It's just a number. With you, it is clearly just a number. And usually I wouldn't do that out of respect and being very careful and mindful about asking a lady about your age. But you are sharing it quite openly
1: with people. Well, you have to if you're a public person, because everybody's going to know anyway. And the second thing about it, particularly for the women that are that are listening, you know, there's been some prejudice. You know, an older man is considered distinguished and, you know, his white hair and all that. And for women, because you know, in the past, it's been mainly our our looks that and 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 you know, we had to present ourselves. By the way, that's why women are so beautiful, because we we've had to put that forward. But the fact is, is that um in this period in history, where we have four generations living together, and the lifespan doubled in the last century. And also when we're going through a transition in leadership where the boomers are retiring, you know, ten thousand a year, it's so important for older people to step up into being elders, respected, wise, like the old cultures mm-hmm. used to look at us and and look to us for guidance and and for and for knowledge. And so, and then the second thing is to really be vibrant and healthy when you're older, because in that way, you can keep contributing and keep enjoying life. So it's real important to me. But we're going to get to a question about what I do to stay healthy and vibrant. And people are going to be blown away. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Can't my, wait friends, to share. my friends that are older say that maintenance <laughs> takes most of their time. Yeah.
0: How to make maintenance uh, really joyful. Yes. Right. right? Yeah. So
1: let me ask you the question what is your age well august 17th i had a huge birthday party in denver it was a uh, it was a uh, 1960s theme and i turned 80 wow. and yeah. uh, and the great news was that the mayor of denver who i was one of my students many years ago uh, proclaimed it wanna day in denver so uh, he did a proclamation So everybody knew (laughs) the cat is out of the bag. So you have your own day now as well. Well, just that particular day. Yeah, it'll be in the books and everything. So, So it was really fun and we had a band and everything. And I think that's another thing to celebrate your age, you know, that you made it. Uh, And to look back and reflect on the good things that have happened and also to have a purpose for your your next your next incarnation or your next transformation, because it is a change to be an elder. It's not it's not the same thing as 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 being a younger person, but you can still have a lot of fun. And I'm still dancing. I'm still doing karaoke. So, um, you know, let the good times roll. (laughs) Absolutely. And generally, I would have
0: never guessed. (laughs) never seriously there's the most energetic joyful smiley attractive woman in front of me Um, and I hope you can all see the clip uh, at some point of Juana it's not 80 definitely not but um, what a great inspiration and you spoke earlier on about um, your philosophy of life tell us a little bit more about that what are your philosophies
1: well you know uh I guess probably because of of my origin. And I know you you were interested in my origin story where, um, you know, I immigrated to the United States from Central America. We can talk about that a little bit more. But when I look at my life and when I look at the teachings of my mother, it was always about um, like, if you were unhappy or you were moping around, she would say, get busy and do something for someone else, you know? And I think one of the things that's so important is I do a lot of affirmations. Um, I start my day off, you know, knowing that I'm going to have a good day, that I'm going to achieve, that I'm going to connect with people. And that because if, if you can really program your mind to be thinking about uh, positive things and, and having that vision uh, for yourself and what you're doing, I think that really helps because we do have a choice uh, about about how we're going to think and I. Um, and it can really bring you down and i know a lot of people do you know suffer with anxiety and so forth but it's real important to understand that you know like if if you study buddhism the first principle of buddhism is life is suffering meaning life has its up and downs and you know and so to accept that and to be able to address things in your life that maybe aren't exactly the way you want them in a positive way and to know they're going to work out okay. So one of my philosophies is to try to be as positive as possible. Sometimes people think I'm a little bit of a Pollyanna, <laughs> you know, but it it works. It works. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Right. And
0: you, you do things that you truly enjoy in life. Share with us a few of those things that you are doing that keep you upbeat. Mindset affirmations obviously are part of it, but what else uh, is a part of your well, habit you know, system, so to say?
1: You know, I come from a very old culture, the Latino culture that's a mixture between Indigenous and, and, and European, mainly Spanish, but my father was French Nicaraguan, so I have that French flair, <laughs> love the French. Wee wee, wee wee. So, um, what I was going to say was that I have really good genetics, first of all, because of that. But um, I I do a lot of walking and I do a lot of hiking. I'm very privileged to live in the Colorado mm-hmm. mountains. But you know, just 15 minutes from my house is a national wildlife preserve, and I walked there Sunday for about an hour and a half, and I saw nine deer wow. and two eagles you can actually see wildlife. So I love nature. I love to connect to nature. And I think what I was saying about the old cultures is that it's mind, body, spirit, you know you have to integrate. you're a complete being and so keeping your mind positive and healthy and reading good things, you know, I will actually turn off the television if it's about violence or things like that. I don't want to fill my brain with that. I I'm a, a realist. I know the problems in society and what we need to do to make it better and how we need to make the world better for the children that come after us. But at the same time, um, you want to be positive. So I do a lot of walking. I do a bicycle. I have a bicycle in my living room so I can bicycle while I watch. I know people are going to think my life is a project. (laughs) I do yoga at least three times a week because believe it or not, for older people, your flexibility is one of the most important things. And the main way people get hurt is through falling. So yoga teaches you strength and balance, you know, so I do that. And I'm adding to my program because I had it before COVID, some weights, because that's the other thing. You're you, you have to build your strength. So for those of you that are out there, you know, just spending some time every day uh, taking care of yourself physically, taking care of yourself spiritually. I begin every day meditating and trying to get quiet and, and centered for the day. Um, because those are really leadership. The first three chapters in my new book are about how do you prepare for leadership. You know, leadership is all about you mm-hmm. and what you're projecting into the world, your authenticity and and how you can help people be part of a... Um you know, I, I think part of a transformation, that's what leaders do. They help people transform themselves, their organizations, and hopefully build a better society. And it begins with you. Leadership begins with you, you know. And so I would encourage people to to really, you know, now I had children and everything, and I know it's hard when you have a full deck, but uh, but still, taking care of yourself is, I think, the best leadership act you can do.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's one of the key messages of this podcast. Leadership starts with yourself. Yes. It hasn't got anything to do with your status and the job title and how busy you are. It is indeed how you transform yourself, the others around you, and the impact that you are deliberately leaving and creating. And I think it's something worthwhile to invest in. And for everybody listening here who says, I don't have the time to do even one of these things that Juana just um, <laughs> shared
1: with us. Start small. Yes, know? exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I really didn't have to do all this in my early years. I, I really didn't. I didn't really start on these kind of programs till I was like in my 40s or so forth. Because, you know, you're here's how I look at it. Your body is a gift that's given to you for the first, say, 40 years of your life. And the next period, you have to give to your body. In other words, you have to take care of this beautiful structure that, you know, because if you don't feel good and, and you're not healthy, you really can't be your best. And that's what leadership is about. It's about really showing people, you know, how can you be the best you can be? How can you really tap into that potential that you have? And the fact that each one of us is unique, you know, every person is unique. What's your unique gifts uh, that you want to bring uh, to humanity, to your organization, to your family, to your community?
0: I spoke to leaders today quite a bit about that. What's the unique gift that you are sharing with others? However, it's also a wonderful segue into all the work you are doing. And there isn't just one piece of work you're consulting on or you're teaching you're doing there is so much inspiration that you offer to this world and i i would say every individual has indeed their origin stories how they got to the point where they are now um and that drove them and you have such a special origin story such a unique one indeed so <laughs> share do do share with the listeners please about the banana boat and so much more. <laughs> the banana boat. Yeah,
1: well, here I am. I'm three years old, and I have to say one of the reasons I'm an accomplished person is because I'm the youngest daughter in a family of eight in a tribe. And I had I had the fortune, the good fortune, and I'll talk a little bit about my mother in a minute, but I had the good fortune of having three older sisters one of which became an incredible clothes designer that used to sew my clothes. Oh, wow, that's amazing! <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? You know, she was twenty years older than me. Um, you know, because, and you know, women are going like, "Boy, eight children!" But you know, we have to stop for a moment. You know, since I'm, I, I'm, I work in social change and and, and society kind of things. In the 1920s, the average woman was having six or eight kids. You know, it's only because of birth control and our ability to to choose when to have children and take care of them that we've been able to have women uh, in in leadership positions um, because they no longer have six or eight kids. I I look at my mother and I go like, if she could do what she did, I can do anything. Right. <laughs> Because of the way our mothers had to do all of this. I mean, she didn't, she had one of those old ringer washing machines where you had to put the clothes through the ringer, you know, and dry them out and then hang them up on the lines. And she cooked everything from scratch. Imagine that. But anyway, so my origin story, back to that. So um, so here I am, I'm three years old, and we had actually, you know, one out of five people in the world are refugees. And I always like to talk about how my life integrates with what's going on in the world, because I'm not an exception, I'm an example. And uh, and so a tsunami had wiped out the coast of Nicaragua, where my, which are my ancestors, where my ancestors were from. And so my father went up to the mines and worked and and got enough money with my two older sisters to bring the family to America. And this is the promised land. This is the land of opportunity, right? And so my first memory is me, my mother, and five of her eight children, or six of her eight children, I was one of them, getting on this banana boat. It was a huge freighter that was going to cross the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, and go to Tampa, Florida, which was the port where the, where the bananas and the coconuts and, you know, think about all the wonderful um, vegetables and fruit that come from Central America. So here I am in the hull of this boat in this back room where they had bunk beds stacked up and that's where my family was. And so I remember it, of course, because it was such a shock. And then, you know, my brother bringing bananas and coconuts for us to eat and then getting to this land where... You know, my family, my mother didn't speak the language. She had a fifth grade education. You know, we had to start from scratch. But I also think, you know, when people look at America from across the world, we are a nation of immigrants. And one of the reasons our country is so great is because of the mix of the immigrants from all over the world who have come to build a better nation and a new world. So it it was it was part of that. But my mother and father had a dream. And I think that's what motivates me. I recently saw a study on Latino leaders. And one of the things they said is that we're motivated because of our responsibility and because we want to give back because it took generations for me to get here you know, I'm the first one to go to college in my lineage. I'm the first one to become an educated person in the in the Anglo-traditional way, you know, because we have our own way of knowledge. But think about that and what a responsibility it is for me now to represent my family and all those people that came before me and then to look to the future as to what our contribution is going to be as, um, as a community.
0: That's incredible. I can openly and honestly say I've never heard a story quite like that and I'm curious about hearing more because you said you were the youngest out of the eight children
1: the youngest daughter the youngest daughter yes Uh
0: and three siblings went to the
1: military right yes um actually my four brothers served in the military and yeah and and you know um it's important because today we have so many refugees and we're having this immigrant debate in the United States and maybe people in the world can't relate to it, but it's all over the world. And yet when, when people leave their country, it's, it's not because, you know, they want to go on vacation (laughs) because my parents had to give up their language and their uh, culture and their community and the respect they had and their, and their ancestors, really their lineage and all the people that they had known and come to a new place where they were going to be discriminated against and have to do some pretty hard work. And so here we have all of these immigrants across the world, and yet they come. My four brothers served in the military, and my beautiful 20-year-old sister, who was 20 years old and 20 years older than me, served in the waves in World War II. And so when you look at that, and I served in the Peace Corps, so you're looking at six of us, and then another one of my sisters did economic development all over Central and South America. So we're only here to contribute and to, uh, to be part of the American landscape. But more than that, I think all over the world, Germany's had you know issues with immigrations and opened their doors, and then there was some backlash. But oh, think delicious. about yeah, but think about the the grace that immigrants bring. And, and a lot of times in most countries, they do the hard work for us. Yeah. Whether it's growing the, the food or serving the food or building the homes or taking care of children or the elderly, many times they come in to, to work in those in those kind of industries. Yeah.
0: And and I agree wholeheartedly with you. And it it amazes me what you've just described because you basically demonstrated how you all served others protecting others educating others whatever it is and it it almost seems to be like a part of your dna at least your family dna to be in service of others and when i when i look around me in society let it be in the uk let it be in germany yes the topic and discussion around immigration is always a heated topic but i don't see a lot of people like German acquaintances really seeing how we can be in service of one another, how we can support one another. There always seems to be a battle about you need to adjust because we give you a home and that's what it is instead of creating. It, but no, but creating. because
1: in reality, we were just talking about margaritas. Mm. In reality, each culture brings gifts. Yes. And, 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 and also demonstrates a different facet of our humanity And so like with the Latino culture, we're the hardest working people in in the world really. Well, I can't say that because our Asian brothers and sisters work really hard, but in the United States, we are the highest participants in the labor market and uh, 47% are still working class so they're doing the kind of work that i talked about construction and food service and growing food and working in um in um the mines and things like that so i mean so we have to honor that that contribution that they make uh to all of us but you know the the, the multicultural global world is coming i mean that, that that's where we're going and our children in this country in particular and across the world have a, have a, an identity as being from, from the world, from many cultures. And, and I think the reason they do that is because they know that different cultures bring so much vitality to life and and the music that they listen to. You know, Bad Bunny is now the number one artist in the world and he was uh, the top, uh, for three years in a row, the top person um, downloaded on Spotify. And he refused to sing in English. She said, this is my language. This is who I am. And you're going to enjoy this. And guess what <laughs> becomes number one. I love him. I would play a little for you if you, <laughs> you go know? for it. Yeah. You know, you see what I'm talking about. So yeah. here are young people embracing this new world that's coming, this multicultural and global world of which immigrants are part of. And so I think, I think, you know, I think they're on to something. <laughs> oh, yes,
0: I think so too. And actually, you just gave me selfishly a really positive feeling. I often say I feel like it's a citizen of the world. Of I don't feel like there's just one country I belong to. And often people say, well, that seems a bit unsettling. And a bit like um, you don't have a real roots or
1: home. And I said, I have roots, but I can
0: call many, many places yes, my home.
1: You well, you know, the Germans were actually the number one group that settled America. So you can find your relatives right over here. <laughs> but I was going to tell you one of the best definitions. There's this group called um, they're called. Um, They're the troubadours all over. And so here's how they explain. They came from Mexico. Los Tigres del Norte, the Tigers of the North, they're called. And they said, of course, I'm bilingual and culture. In my homelands, I buried my ancestors. In the United States, my children were born. They see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and you don't have to give anything up. Diversity is an add-on process. Yes, you got to do some transformation if you grew up with some ideas about different people, because we have to get to the place where we honor and value all cultures, all people, all races, all ethnicities, all all sexual preferences, if we're really going to create a a humanity that has respect and, and, and peace. But when you go into other cultures, you're just going to learn more and expand your awareness and, and, and your repertoire. And particularly if you're in business, you're going to have to manage people from so many different places and four generations. So if you don't develop a cultural agility and ability to learn from other cultures, you're going to be at a disadvantage. And how can we help people
0: really get that, really understand it?
1: Well, wow, that is such a great question, which I've dedicated my life to. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. You know, The good news is that we were talking about how young people really do see themselves as global and multicultural or mixed. Uh, in, in 10 years in the United States, they're going to be the majority of the electorate. They're, the Zs and the millennials are the largest generations in history. So I'm putting my money on them. Because that's another transformation we're going through, this transformation of a younger generation beginning to take the helm of leadership. And 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 so it is coming. And so I want to invite people to be part of the multicultural mambo. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. I mean, you don't want to miss out, right? Because our young people are going to do it and it's coming and your grandchildren will be mixed, <laughs> you know? Uh. So, so, uh, so let's have some fun with it. Um, you know, like I said, some people think I'm a Pollyanna, but I really do believe that if the great spirit wanted us to be all alike in one and one one culture, that's what we'd have, but we don't, we have many yeah. cultures and every human being with a unique gift to, get, to give humanity.
0: Yeah. And the world is colorful. It's not of just course. about shades of gray. It's colorful. Yeah, yeah. You know, and let's add a few more nuances to it. Why don't <laughs> But in all the work you have been doing so far, and let's talk for a moment also about what exactly you have been doing, because you won awards, you wrote books, you are out there on stage and podcasts speaking about what you're so passionate about, and that's amongst others, Latino leadership. Um, But what you're also passionate about is multi-generational work, as you have mentioned it before. Now you also shared your age with us and you highlight the generations to come that will form the the big part of the workforce right and and I do wonder how you personally build the connections with the latest generations how do they perceive you how do you build connections how do you take them with you
1: <laughs> they run up to me and say I want to be like you when I'm old. <laughs> I, I can actually imagine that. oldest of the past. First there. of all, you know, I'm on TikTok and um, I'll tell you why that's a lesson in intergenerational leadership. That is because our generation would never dream of trying to put out a message in, in 60 seconds. <laughs> I mean, when I first got on, I couldn't believe it, you know, and yet because, um, you know, these young people were born in the digital age and they are used to pressing a button and they're used to a lot of information and they're used to uh, skimming more than the in-depth stuff that we have done in the past. But what it's taught me, it's how, how to be more succinct, how to really think about my message and really understand that people can only learn a few things at a time anyway, Right. So I've learned a lot from being on TikTok and trying to make that platform something that really engages and educates, you know, because people have some problems with TikTok, but let's make it. Let's take that tool and use it for positive. And uh, the second thing uh, they they have taught me, which is really important, is what we're doing today is because of this, and for Latinos, it's actually... Um, uh you never say the word right is it dysphoria is that how you say it dysphoria. When, yeah when people are are gone they, they go different places in a culture there was an african one there's now a hispanic one so particularly because of that for example we had in the united states a group of young students who were um who were undocumented and they started a movement called daca the dreamers and they uh they began to tell their stories and what and what young people are saying because we all move um because we many of us are not where we were born because there's mobility and and you know there there's all this change we need to tell our stories and so young people have this whole thing about narratives origin stories and who are you are you authentic you know here's how they put it be yourself <laughs> and i'm like what does that mean be myself you know, you can't be any uh, anybody else anyway. So you got to be yourself. So this whole idea of narratives that we're doing and that you're doing, getting people to tell their story is so important because in that we find the connections, you know, because the human of the human experience. So so, yeah, so so what they said was we got up publicly and told our stories about being immigrants and the fear that they had that their parents would be deported and the kind of prejudice that they had. And all of a sudden, all of the United States Pat, you know, the, the president passed a law or a, an executive order that they could stay in the country without being deported and that they could get an education and go to college. It was all about storytelling and letting everybody know the story of, of young immigrants. So I've, I've, I've always had people tell their stories, but now I know how important it is for you and I to share that so we can connect. So that that was a thing I learned. I learned from them for sure is uh, is that we have to tell our stories. They also all wear false eyelashes. Uh, <laughs> loads, <laughs> loads of them. Yes,
0: authentic. <laughs> I'm being fully myself. Yeah, yours look very good. I don't have mine
1: on right now. <laughs> sorry. The last so... thing I want to say about young people is that the studies show that they. Um, that they do respect the elders and and that they do want to learn and work with us. So, but what I've learned from them is, and this is important in leadership, they want equality. They understand structural racism and systemic, uh, the systemic problems in society. This is the most educated group, uh, you know, this is the most educated generation. And so they want they don't want hierarchy, you know, and I had a millennial daughter. and So she trained me because with my parents, if they said jump, you said how high you remember that. Yeah. Remember parenting from that perspective. That's not how you parent a millennial. You have to, they want to know why, and maybe they're going to look it up on Google to make sure, (laughs) you know, and so they want lateral, they want me to contribute, but they want me to learn from them. They want to listen to me, but they want, you know, me to listen to them. And so what I get from the younger generation is this, we know leadership to be collaborative. We know that it has to be participatory, but they're saying across generations, we have to work together and listen to each other.
0: I love so, that. So,
1: yeah. So they're teaching me a lot.
0: <laughs> and and you are teaching them a lot probably, yes, you course. know, but the most important thing is it comes together. There's a mutual curiosity, openness and an adult to adult conversation where we are taking each other seriously. And we are being curious about one another. I remember some organizations i've been working with where there was almost shame on both sides the younger generations and the older generations the older generations who said in particular when it comes to diversity equity and inclusion i don't understand all of this anymore i'm out i'm probably i can't keep up anymore and the younger generations who say i just don't feel quite understood heard and accepted Uh um what is going on and those different voices haven't quite gotten together. Yes. And I think that's why it's important to have this dialogue and to truly
1: understand those stories and where we are coming from. Well, and I think after you listen to them, for example, when I did get to college, being the first one in an immigrant family, there weren't any other Latinos there. And my junior year, I marched at the University of Florida to bring two African-Americans. I mean, I think a lot of people that are listening internationally don't really understand that, that, you know, even in our constitution, black people were only, uh, black men, because women couldn't vote then either, I want the women to remember this, uh, were were three-fifths of a person. And so I marched and two African-Americans came on the campus um, my senior year. And young people, I mean, you don't want to sit in the old days, this is how it was, but you want to help them understand how long change takes. Women have you know, have had the vote in the United States 100 years. And it's taken us this long to get where we are today. And, and, and we're getting there. I mean, you know, women are the majority of managers now. They're the majority in universities, the majority graduating from law schools. We're getting there. But change takes a long time. And when you're young, you don't know that. And so for us to share our perspectives, but, you know, in, in a way that says to them, um, you know, we're going to help you move this forward. But you have to understand; it's in in Spanish. It's called paso a paso, step by step. In business, it's called continuous improvement. Every time we move forward, but but that's how change happens. And so and so, I think this partnership between younger and older really helps create a much more richer approach to the future. I definitely preferred a paso a paso. Uh, (laughs) I couldn't do it with your
0: beautiful accent. easy to engage on-demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. We have mentioned Latino leadership now a few times. And if anybody out there who's listening feels like me and feels in particular like me for the first time I spoke to you, and I'm nowhere near an expert yet, It's like, so what is Latino leadership? Who are the
1: Latinos? Yeah, well. Uh, Shed some insight here. That's a great question. And I'm going to take a little sideline here because especially from people from from Europe or so forth, there's two cultural paradigms that we need to talk about. One is individualism and the emphasis on the individual. And the other is the collective or the emphasis on we. And so uh, Latinos and other people of color and women uh, we're collective. We understand when I say we, that we've only made it to where we are because of everybody's efforts, right? Because of those who came before us. I mean, think about the early the early suffragettes. And so um, so we're a we culture, uh, which means that we are collective and that we are generous. And we share. Most people know "mikasa casa, su casa. It means my house is your house. It means what I have is yours, that sense of generosity and that sense of we. We also are a culture that our leadership, because we have been marginalized, because we have been minorities, is a change-oriented leadership because we were trying to advance our people, get them better jobs, right, get them into education, get them to be able to buy homes or, or, or things like that. So I call it si se puede, which a lot of people do know that in the United States, it means, yes, we can. And uh, so it's a C-C-Puede si leadership. Together, we can move the needle. Together, we can do things. That's so needed. I mean, whether you're talking business or you're talking education, whatever sector you're in, that idea of us collectively working together towards a common goal. And the goal is to advance the people in their community or advance the people in your organization or your company. And so those two principles are so important. But what is 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 the key is this thing that I call leader the leader is equal and that is and back to the hierarchy we were talking about um you know it used to be leadership by the few well today we need everybody you know to really help you know we've got this climate change that supposedly is six or seven years that we have to turn this around in the United States we have a lot of gun violence we still have this whole thing in um in Ukraine where we're settling issues, through conflict and through 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 wars. And so there's a lot to do, you know. And so all of us engaged together can help create a better future for our children, which I think is the purpose of leadership, to leave a better legacy, right? Leave a better legacy. And so Latino leadership, I say it's like a relay race where one generation passes the torch to the next and the next and the next and the next. And, the next, and that's how we're going to get there, you know, by doing this cooperative sharing, not just among each other. But everybody has to step up to leadership and we have to respect people, whether they're, they're cleaning our office or whether they're taking care of our children or whether they're, you know, doing construction or whether they're uh, doing our finances or our IT. Every single person is a leader and we want to bring that out in them. And if we do that, we create the next principle. I call it leadership by the many that we all collectively say, yes, we can be leaders and it implies inclusiveness. Right. It implies what Latinos call bienvenido, because Latinos are also a very open culture. We're not a race. We're a culture. So you can learn us. You can walk with us. You can you know, participate in our culture and in our values. And so this whole idea of Latino leadership is that collectively, by acknowledging and growing the potential of people, <clears throat> by having a vision of a better future, by not being afraid to change things and to transform things, but to understand that leadership is about transformation, that together we, we can we can do this. But another important thing is goza la vida or enjoy life. Just like Latinos work hard. We spend more money going out to eat. We invented the word fiesta. We love music. We, we go to movies more. We use cell phones more to connect with people. You have to enjoy your life because that's the purpose. <laughs> so we celebrate everything. <laughs> Absolutely, and you
0: seem to have a lot of special days as well dedicated exactly. to the Latino culture. <laughs> and today is Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Which happens indeed every Tuesday. So every I Tuesday,
1: heard. I'm making chicken tacos today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, what, what came to our mind is leadership, and that definition isn't about necessarily what you are doing. It's more how you are being.
1: Yeah, well, one of my mentors used to say, leadership is how to be, not how to do it. Mm. Isn't that yeah. a great, that's Francis. It, it is beautiful. And I actually just
0: um, joined uh, another further education programs or one of those programs, and that was dedicated to purpose coaching and really delving deeper into the whole purpose question. And the key theme that really stuck with me is that purpose is about being, not about doing. And I find that personally really calming because you embrace your uniqueness but you take other people that. with you and you become so beautifully contagious to others by
1: sharing that uniqueness well and you know I think part of the modern culture uh, in order to to sell you things so that you can look better and feel better and be more attractive and be more sexy. <laughs> is, you know, to make you uncomfortable with yourself. And and, and the truth of the matter is, you know, is that you're, you know, like we've been talking, you're a totally unique being. Nobody can be you. And so that finding that, I love this, we know with the millennials and the Z's be you, (laughs) because in doing that, you really tap into your power and you tap into that, that personal purpose. I have in my book, by the way, a chapter on Destino, which means destiny. And uh, and Latinos do have that sense of of purpose that like me being born the youngest daughter, me being bo- brought to this country, me being the first to be educated, all these things are preparing me for my path. And so, part of learning who you are, as you probably learned in your in your seminar, is to reflect on on, on your past and where you've been and and your experiences because you're on a journey, and 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 as you look back, you can see where you're going, right? but uh but i really encourage people to 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 spend some time doing that because that's really your gift that you're giving to the world yourself <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and to the topic around you know the cosmetic industry and all the ads you can see and to make you more insecure basically about exactly. yourself exactly that i actually find people really appealing attractive i want to have around me who are so comfortable with themselves, they literally shine. And it doesn't matter in the end what they really look like, because they just have charisma that is, I can't even describe it in words, that
1: just Mm -hmm. immediately appeals to you. Well, I do want to share this because I think especially for people who maybe don't feel like this, they're going like, oh, it's great for them to say. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, American Indians, when they would make um, a piece of pottery or um, a weave, a blanket or a shawl or whatever, they would leave a little teeny piece undone to symbolize that we're all a work in progress, that none of us are perfect. And in fact, in some traditions, it's your flaws that make you special. I know you wanted to know about one of my flaws, and that's uh, I overcommit. (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) Yes, and and you know it's, it's a flaw, but it's also a gift. So when you look at your flaws, the other thing I want to say about it is that, you know, we've all been given certain gifts and certain challenges. So it's not that one day I'm going to never overcommit. It's that I, you know, there's a saying in leadership, lead others, manage yourself. So some of us have a tendency to overcommit or some of us might have a tendency to um, uh, to really be taken back by challenges. You know, it's hard to pick ourselves up. And so it's the kind of thing you have to do every day. Leadership preparation is not um, you do certain things and you're finished. Yeah leaders get up every day and prepare themselves leadership get leaders get up every day and say okay i'm not having such a good day but this this will pass a better day is coming you know i can deal with this and so you know it's it's a work in progress that we're involved in but it's an every day kind of thing and i've been working a lot with that with millennials because you know they do have a lot of anxiety you know that like 68% have a thing called climate anxiety now because they're not sure what's going to happen in the future But trying to get them to understand that every single day you have to prepare yourself for leadership, to be positive, to figure out what you're going to do that day to make a difference. Maybe it's a day you take care of yourself because you're not feeling so well. So I'm not saying that everybody has to feel 100% all the time. I'm saying that we work it, just like it's a constant transformation. And that's what makes life so exciting, really.
0: I love this example with the blankets and the floor, the unfinished piece. Well, it's because we're an unfinished thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) What what I'm really curious about is is to learn a little bit more about the Latino culture. Because I never even realized how many subcultures are part of the Latino
1: culture. Yeah. Well, I am so glad you asked that. So here we are, I mean, let's take a little history lesson. You have to remember this continent, the the Western Hemisphere really was settled. There are millions and millions of people here. The biggest city in the world was Mexico City. It was bigger than London. And so when the Europeans came, what happened was in the Southern Hemisphere and where the Spanish were, the Spanish outlawed slavery, but it wasn't that beautiful a picture, but they did merge with the indigenous people. So Latinos are a mixture between the Europeans and the Spanish. And, and like I said, other, other European blood. The, a lot of Germans and, you know, the Mexicans make good cerveza. They make good beer because the Germans were there. There's an example that's of culture. Here we go. Here you go, girl. <laughs> and the ranchera is a is a polka. So that's what you do with culture. You You merge and you learn and you get better. So here's this whole group of people. The majority of people in South and Central America are called mestizos or the mixture or the mestiaje because they're a mixture of two cultures. And so because of that, Latinos come from 26 countries and they're not a race. We have all the races. Um, a fourth of us are Afro-Latinos. The majority of African slaves ended up in Central and South America. So we have African background. When you listen to Hispanic music, you're going to hear the bongos and the, and the African drums. You know, our music basically comes from that tradition. It's a mixed music, that's why it's so popular. And so, so we're a culture, and it's our values and our history, our, our common colonization experience that we had through history by being colonized people, marginalized people. Um, But our values are what really hold us together. Our values, our spiritual traditions, our language now, which is Spanish, because we were talking a little bit about the we culture, the generosity, the taking care of each other, the the we idea that together we're going to make it, the whole idea of family and community, which is certainly what everybody's looking for today. And we have to learn as leaders to build that family and community inside our organizations and our families and in our actual communities where we live, because of all the of the of the people moving around. So here are Latinos who are now um, we make up sixty-two million people in the United States. I mean that's a big that's but a long. Long yeah. only Mexico and Brazil have more people of Hispanic descent, and that's because about. Way over a third of the United States was Mexico until like 160 years ago when there was the Mexican-American War. And and the United States, where I live, Colorado, it means the land of red rocks. Um, Arizona means the place that it's arid. Montaña means the place that it's mountains. Nevada means the place that it snows. Uh, And you got to look at California with San Francisco, San Jose, Santa Monica, (laughs) you know, know, all it's right there that this was, uh, you know, so we're looking for uh, the Latinization of America to bring those gifts into the mainstream because we're going to be the only group that has the the numbers and the cultural uh, vitality to be able to integrate the two cultures. And I think you mentioned to me the Philippines fall into the Latino culture. Yes, I was giving a talk. I was giving, well, the Philippines do, but I was giving a talk in Texas, and this young man comes up and he says, It's 29 countries because Guam. <laughs> well, he clearly did some research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he felt like he was part of it too. And because we're a culture, and culture is learned. Now, remember, you can't you can't join a race, but you can become an honorary person. But with culture, you can learn it. So I have people mm-hmm. in my family that are not Latino by birth, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. But my uncle Carl and uh, my my brother-in-law Howard, uh, you know, we say if you hang around with Latinos long enough, the rhythm's going to get you. <laughs> uh, I, I need to get more Latinos get you. into i We're going to get you, honey. We're going to get you. <laughs>
0: You know, that's why I love traveling to Central America, for example, so much. It's it's the only part of the world that I traveled on my own for a while. And people kept telling me, oh, be really careful. It isn't safe and so on and so forth. And as many other countries, there are challenges, no doubt. And you don't feel safe in every corner of Guatemala City and so on and so forth. But I've had most fun in my life. It was just brilliant. <laughs> There was there was the buen venido, the, you felt welcome. Yes. There been was been. A, a lot of openness. There was the dancing in the streets. Right. Um,
1: and, and there was a lot of togetherness. Yeah, so one of, one of my quotes is uh, that Latinos hold the promise of a new America with diversity and inclusion at its heart. So, I mean, you know, people are having all these debates about race and this, that, and the other, and we're saying, hey, we're all the races a fourth of us are black a fourth of us are indian 42% have european blood yeah. over 35% say we're mixed now and you know we're living proof right we're living proof that if you mix it up and nature loves a hybrid. That's how nature advances is through bringing things that are different together, right? And uh, and so I want to change the discussion. I want this to be that, you know, that that diversity and inclusion and learning from each other and having this cultural mix that we're going to have is the next transformation of humankind. It's our next evolutionary step. And so, you know, and we're not going to stop it. So we might as well get with the program and have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, and like I, I, and like and like Lizzo says it's about damn time <laughs> oh yeah
0: the the perfect description of being unique and being is <laughs> <It's> lizzo, yes <laughs> i'm I'm putting a little bit on the damper on this positivity course, and optimism that we have here because I love what you're saying, and what I'm hearing is that we can really. If we embrace the Latino culture where diversity, equity, and inclusion is a part of the DNA,
1: somewhat. what? It is part of our DNA, yes. And
0: where we embrace those differences that we, and and the learnings from all of those different cultures, wonderful. We can organically bring it into this new world that we are all co-creating. Now, I do wonder, however, how it must feel for people from the Latino culture who live in the U.S., and who don't feel very privileged. right? Who love to serve others, who feel like leaders in their own right, but who are constantly told by former politicians, for example, that you haven't gotten a right to be here, there should be a wall on land that used to be yours basically, and so on and so forth. And there's quite a bit of right-wing behavior visible as well, in particular in certain states in the US, some more, uh, in some more than in, in others. And I do wonder how people deal with that. How they face these challenges and negativity?
1: Well, you know, for me, it's about it is about leadership and having that positive vision of the future, because vision is a magnet. It also draws people and it inspires people. And, you know, the Bible says without a vision, people perish. And so you do have to know what you're working for or, or what is the potential and the possibilities but I do think that uh you know I'm a community organizer at heart in other words I I learned a long time ago because in my early career I built organizations um and particularly in 1977 when I built the you know one of the, it was the second Hispanic woman organization in in the United States and to bring people together when they didn't even know who we were, they it was right in the middle of the women's movement women are struggling. But you have to you have to have that vision that eventually it's 40 years later, it's the largest Hispanic serving organization in the state of Colorado. So you have to know, first of all, that change is going to take time. Right. Second of all, that statistic that I said where this younger generation, when I was young, it was the boomers, you know, and John F. Kennedy got up and he said, we're going to pass the torch to a new generation of leaders. Well, that's where we are. We're at this crossroads. We have to pass that torch to a new generation of leaders. And we have to believe that if we work towards that, we can create a better future. Now, when you look at the negative people um, and people that, uh, I, I guess, you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, some people think the Trump phenomena was a, a reaction to the fact that we had elected Obama, and and some people really, you know, had that backlash, that white backlash that they didn't want people of color taking over nobody's taking over inclusion means you make the table bigger Mm -hmm. inclusion means you know what do you have what do I have how are we going to you know it's not about replacing people for those people that are afraid of diversity it's about expanding the table and I as a bicultural person and I really want people to hear this because I was one of the early Latinos to get educated today Latinos are doubling their enrollment in college, and we just doubled our enrollment, our our graduation rate. So there's an intellectual class now. We never had that before. You know, my mother had a fifth grade education. We never had an intellectual class, and we never had people who totally understand the mainstream culture. I'm Dr. Juana Bortis. I understand it, and it's taught me so much. I don't exclude it for a minute being a bicultural person makes me twice as powerful so i understand how to do strategic planning i understand my mainstream leadership and how we can contribute to that and widen it i understand you know how to do budgets and finance i understand the legal system so so in other words when you blend the cultures together you can you can actually advance your own self and then you know what the early feminists used to say they used to say we have to outlive them <laughs> So, so true, though it is. We have to, and, and the young people are going to outlive us. Yeah. So the question for you, if, if you're a listener, is, is is do you want to be part of that? And nobody's saying you have to, but it's an invitation, and it's an invitation to join with the younger generation and to help them really create. I mean, because this is a really uh, an incredible crisis for young people. And it goes back
0: to the psychological. Um, kind of decision that you have to make what is it you can really influence what is it you want to focus your energy on oh that's such a great scale moment right focus on the people who are on board who are more educated who lift diversity already It doesn't mean ignore the people who don't absolutely not but sometimes we have to make a choice and pick our battles there right where's the bigger mass
1: yeah and if you study social change you're supposed to go with your base and keep building that yeah You know, I'm willing to talk and and work with anybody, but um, uh, but at the same time, you know, if if, and and by the way, critical mass theory says if we can get to 25 or 30 percent, we can move the needle. Um, You know, so so that's what you want to do is is to really get as many people as possible. And I have just been so inspired by the younger generation because you know, I just did a a chapter on them and and um, and the way they look at themselves is is that they're change agents that they're here to help change this and and, and to make it better for themselves. Because, um, you know, even getting a college education today, I worked my way through college and they can't do that today. I just looked at a university today because I was trying to get a hold of, of the person who runs their leadership program. And the tuition was forty five thousand a year. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not acceptable, you know, uh, to in our young people and to have them start their um, and they can't buy homes like we could and things like that. So, um, so, you know, this is a call to action for all of us. And I think the question I would ask is, um, what kind of ancestor do you want to be? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want your grandchildren to say about you and how you, you know, how you contributed, how you made the world better for them? And um And to find that deep sense of purpose. And that doesn't mean, you know, I I, I think um, you can be the best hairdresser. You can be the best bricklayer. I have a friend who, when he builds a brick wall, he's a Mexican immigrant. It is a thing of beauty. And uh, so it doesn't matter what your contribution is. You know, my mother washed dishes so that her children could become educated. Uh, It's that you have that sense of purpose and that sense of self and that sense of wanting, uh, you know, to be part of this incredible transformation we're going through.
0: And your mom clearly left, not just an impression, she really inspired you. And I can hear that in everything <laughs> you're saying. And you mentioned her, I think, three or four times so far. And I don't want to, you know, not speak about her um, because she's seemed to be a wonderful, in, indeed inspirational woman. And I do wonder, you were three years old, arriving in Florida, your parents not speaking English, and... You have become such a well-educated woman, a woman who has a huge impact in this world. And I just tried to build the connection. How you got to the point where you said, you know, what? I'm confident, I believe in myself, I am going to educate myself or be well-educated. And what role did your mom play?
1: I just gave a talk in my community here in Denver about my new book. And uh, at one point I shared about, uh, going into therapy, <laughs> and they were all, "Oh, we're so glad you mentioned that." <laughs> you know, and, and people don't know this, but in my early career, I, I was a therapist. I, I have a, um, I, I have a license as a as a licensed social worker therapist in, in Colorado. And the thing is, is as uh, I tell people, you know, if, if your car's broken, you'd go see a, a mechanic. Uh, if your heat's broken, you're going to call somebody who knows about heat. You know, even if you want to go to a nice restaurant, you're going to find a good chef. So these people that are that are therapists that work with people, uh, they specialize in human nature. and and I think since especially you have to have someone to help reflect about your background. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I thought when I was young, that I was poor, um, uh, that I was an immigrant, that I was a woman growing up in the 40s and 50s, right? Uh, that I had parents that were uneducated and, you know, I, I had kind of a cultural inferiority complex about being Hispanic and not, not being Anglo. And, and yet, as I transformed, as I went through my life, as I looked back, as I look at my mother now, this immigrant woman who comes with a fifth grade education and goes to the priest and says, yo puedo cocinar, limpiar, cuidar niños. I can cook, I can clean, I can take care of children. How humble. And then to say to him, Think of this as a strategic closer of a deal. I came here so my children could get an education. I came here so my children could have a better life. And he could see in her eyes and in her humility that she had given up everything for her children, that she was going to sacrifice her life. But when I went through therapy and I looked at myself and I did my reflections and my journaling and what you need to do, I come from greatness. I come from people who had vision and stamina and determination, who took risks and challenges, who, who left a legacy, you know, who who did servant leadership. But, you know, everything that I've studied in leadership, the immigrants and my parents are doing, you know, they're taking great risks to come here and to create a better life. And they have this vision for the future and particularly for their children. And so I think that personal transformation and that personal work we do is so important because. Life gave you these experiences for a reason. And just like nature doesn't waste a leaf, it gets recycled for the next year or garbage becomes fertilizer for the next, the plants that are coming in the future. Your life, whatever it was, that is organic and that helps you grow into who you are. So embracing the difficulties and the challenges really helps you transform into a uh, into why you're here and why you had those experiences, And then, so I honor my mother because she taught me leadership. Wonderful. Thank you so much for
0: sharing this beautiful story. Yeah, oh. well, I
1: hope we meet sometime because you are just dynamite
0: (laughs) you know i was i was just secretly thinking i need to get back into latino country and i know there are
1: 27
0: (laughs) 29 countries don't cry honey but i'm going to costa rica saturday (laughs)
1: beautiful
0: oh best sunsets best anyway well just
1: beautiful work you're doing thank you for being part of this world transformation that we're all doing together
0: before i let you go though do share a little bit more about your new book that I can see right there behind you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have
1: it up here. Look at this. There it is. The power of Latino leadership, ahora. I want everybody to learn that word in Spanish. Ahora means now. Because now it's it's Latino time in America today. (laughs) It's uh, it's what we've been working for for 500 years. Uh, Like I said, we finally have an intellectual class. We contributed half the growth of America in the last uh, 10 years. We're gonna be 78% of the new entries into the labor force. But more than that, you know, Latinos have this bienvenido spirit. And, uh, and we're here really to, 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 to bring new life and to transform the, and to bring back the American dream, you know, to really bring back that respect that our that our country is founded on. And so my book, you know, talks about, and a lot of people don't know this, one of the reasons we became mixed people is because Spain was already the mixed country. You know, you have the Europeans in the north, you have the Moors, you have the Romans that were there, you, you have the Arabs. Uh, you know, the, the Spanish uh, were were mixed. And so when they came here, uh, they brought that sense of, of mixing cultures together. And so we, you know, we embrace the Spanish as part of our heritage. And, uh, it, and so th- this book really explains how our history prepared us to be the multicultural and inclusive people of the future, the mm-hmm. rainbow people.
0: Ah, lovely. And how can we all get a little bit of the Latino
1: leadership into us? Exactly. Well, I did do a um, a uh, audio book if people want to hear it because you know we come from the oral tradition. Uh, our cultures didn't have you know that this the books like like the Anglo culture has. So I have that, but it just went to number one on Amazon for Hispanic wow. studies, which you know the, and uh, so I would love people to to buy on Amazon and also it's an ebook and and uh, and to write a review for me so that we can get the word out. About how we're all Latinos.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We'll do Congratulations, by the way, which Thank is you. it's brilliant <laughs> news. And Juana, well, you do so much for this world in, in this world. What's coming next?
1: Well, you know, um, interestingly enough, I'm going to spend part of the summer just regrouping and looking at, um, at, at exactly this point. And my question in, for my destino or my destiny is how can I best serve in the last section or the last part of my life? Uh, You know, what is it that I need to do? And I would encourage people to do that kind of thing, you know, because, you know, you go through crossroads in life and this is a crossroads for me. I've become an elder. Um, And so how am I going to spend those? And then I'm getting ready for a Hispanic Heritage Month tour uh, in September and October. And... uh, Love to come to Europe. Please <laughs> so. do come
0: and let me know, and then we do another live show.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so I'm, I am going to take some time off this summer to try to figure out how can I how can I have the greatest impact uh, in, in the last ten years of my life.
0: Thank you so so much for inspiring us, for sharing <laughs> your huge amount of energy here with us as well, and yeah, giving me indeed some
1: real passion back. Just think about it if there were like 10 of us we could really do something here <laughs>
0: and, and i think there are more than 10 of us out there yeah thank you so so much. Okay. might have thank best you, time in costa rica i see you surfing along already um <laughs> and come back safely okay <laughs> love you god bless Take care. thank you so much for listening to the legendary leaders podcast If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.